Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to Let's Huddle with Ed Cunningham, a podcast at the intersection of sports, sports media, Hollywood, and hopefully life itself. I'm the executive producer and host, Ed. In this episode, we huddle with my former colleague at ESPN and a true broadcasting legend, Beth Mullins. 2017, Beth became the first woman to call a nationally televised NFL game. And this December, she did the same for an NBA game. Along with covering 110 other events last season, she's very busy in the play-by-play seat. And we find out how her basketball background, specifically being a point guard, helped her become the announcer she is. This is See the Opportunity with Beth Mullins. What are you covering for ESPN now? What are all, well, you have a few employers, yeah? Yeah. So I just finished up uh, college football yep. and um, had uh, only had one game this year for CBS NFL on CBS. Um, got, uh, you know, they do the whole flex thing now at the end yeah. of the year. And so I missed out on a, on a second, uh, second game this year. So I, I move on now to college hoops and actually added uh, a handful of NBA games on ESPN oh, wow. this year. So that's, that's been uh, exciting. Oh, nice. How many games yeah. will you end up doing this season? You know, I'm, I'm not sure. As you can imagine, the, um, the scheduling for, <laughs> for all the sports, like college basketball, we know we just found out till the end of this month. Right. And so with all the cancellations and everything, it's kind of. So now, I, are you doing men's and women's? Uh, so far, I've just done the women's. They were kind of waiting for the NBA schedule to come right. out. So yeah. I don't know exactly. You know, at this point, I'm I'm fine actually just finishing up with the women if if they yeah. want, you know, see where we're at next year, maybe. But uh, and then I'll, I'll pick up uh, some uh, hopefully some Cubs spring training stuff. I do, I do a little Cubs uh, over the summer. So they mm. wanted me to be a part of that and, you know, try and sneak in a, a ski trip or two with the family <laughs> and. How many how many events over the last 365 days do you think you've called? Um, I do. Uh, my my deal is for 80, but I think this year, this past year, so the last calendar year, I I was up over 100. I think I was at like wow. 110 or so. And that's with COVID, and that's yeah. It can be good and bad. You know, yeah. they sometimes they kind of lose track of me, and so I can <laughs> I can pile up the extra events, especially oh. when we were from home. You know, for like for basketball and softball, you could do four or five games a week sitting in your, you know, in your back bedroom. So that actually wasn't too bad with, um, you know, being able to stay home, travel less and still still rack up the events. But, you know, I'm, but I'm that's getting, a lot of homework on top of, yeah. I mean, the amount of effort to call that many games properly, yeah. uh, especially on the play by play host side we we analysts can mail it in <laughs> play by play host you can't mail it in i'm, I'm starting on my softball uh, game boards already so we're, we're about a month out so just try you know you know how it is you try and stay ahead a little bit but you know i'm getting close ed, to that point where you know the 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 uh the number of events should probably start going down and i'm good with that yeah yeah, that's an awful lot. Uh, you know, my highest, because I was just a college football analyst, and I mean that sincerely, because I know how much people work on, you know, 110 events as a play-by-play, sitting next to folks who've done four games in a week, and they show up to me on Saturday, and their ties on sideways, and <laughs> they've hit seven <laughs> airports 
yeah. since Monday once college basketball would start late in the college football season. So I think yeah. I did 25 events one year. For ESPN, I think that was my biggest year. So it was, it was yeah. uh, quite easy compared to. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little hectic, but oh, it's all good. What is the sport you love? What do you like to go call the most? Well, I like to say uh, football is probably the most time consuming and the most um, probably the most exciting just because it is the, the build up to one game a week. Yeah. And, um, you know, just being on site in in stadium and, and hopefully, you know, uh, 50, 60, 70,000 people. That's that, I, that's probably the most juice. Uh, my dad was a basketball, high school basketball coach. And so that's kind of, you know, what I like to say, running home to mama um, is, is basketball. That's what I grew up on literally in the gym and, and what I played in college. So that's kind of home base for me where I'm probably the most comfortable. And then the, you know, the other stuff now with, with softball, you know, the, the women's college world series is probably the you know, the biggest event that, that I get to be a part of, we've sort of, you know, built that from scratch. You know, we, we used to go when there was a handful of us that would travel and it was one game and it was tape delayed and it was, you know, due to time constraints, we move ahead to further action. And, and now we have a compound and every game is played and every game is on, on two and ESPN. And, I, you know, we're excited. We're going to move probably a, a few to ABC this year. Mm-hmm. So, that, that's probably the biggest event that, that I get most excited about. And, that, and now it's been great to add, you know, NFL and, and, and NBA and MLB. That, that's been kind of a thrill to add those two. And you said, you know, you grew up, dad was a basketball coach. You played. I believe you, you're still your school's uh, assist leader. Is this yes, is that yes. accurate? Mm-hmm. That is, is that correct. Le- Lafayette Leopards. <laughs> you know? Did you wear leopard print? Uh, we did not le- did not wear uh, leopard print. Uh, we just had the little. I think there might have been a little leopard, maybe in the L, in like our shooting shirt. So that was the extent of it. So. <laughs> and what from there says because you know you're a woman playing sports. Mm-hmm. You know, there's not a lot of people that are doing play by play. How does how do you find it? How do you find the mic and start calling the action instead of playing at a time when, yeah. you know, it wasn't, um, there weren't a lot of avenues for women to, to get uh, on air and, and be not reporters, but play-by-plays and hosts in yeah. the sports realm. So the, the sports part of it uh, obviously came naturally. And that, that has always been a part of the day today, just growing up with my dad as a coach. And my mom was a big sports fan and my, I had three brothers and all the kids in the neighborhood played sports. So the love of sports has been there from the days of kickball and ghost in the graveyard and wiffle ball and anything, you know, that we could get our hands on. We had a basketball hoop um, right out in, in the front yard uh, in our driveway. So that was, that all came natural. And then I, I was a fan. So I, I remember watching the old NFL today show, you know, religiously, uh, literally go to church, stop by the grocery store, and then make it home in time to watch the NFL Today show on Sundays in the fall. And, and there was Phyllis George in the mid to late 70s. And, and so that's kind of where the, wait a second, a woman in sports um, and, and having a career doing that, maybe that's something I would want to get involved in. And then I think the marriage of the two with play-by-play just sort of came with some 
really early trial and error and the fact that, um, you know, I, I did like to talk. And so even when we were, you know, playing dodgeball or playing wiffle ball <laughs> out in the street or kickball in the backyard, I kind of had a running commentary going. Mm. And um, I guess it was sort of a self-analysis that I, I, I watched the play-by-play people and I watched the color commentator and I'm like, well, I'm, I'm probably not going to be an Olympic athlete or an NFL player, or I, I didn't really think I wanted to get into coaching, um, which is what all the analysts were. So I immediately looked at that other guy, as I like to call him. Well, that mm. that guy, maybe I could do that job. Mm. And then really just, you know, started watching people like Pat Summerall and, um, you know, grew up on on the Yankees as a kid growing up in, in upstate New York. And so, you know, just some of the, the you know, the great play-by-play people associated with Syracuse University and, and became aware of that at a young age. That yeah. was kind of the attraction. And then, you know, as I got into high school and college, it was like, well, hey, wait a second, there aren't any other women doing this. And I really didn't see that as a disadvantage. And I, I immediately recognized the advantage of, of being one of, if not the only one doing it. And so that is what I latched on to as I started to get into the business. And what was the first gig? What was the first time you were live to an audience of how many, you know, how, when was, cause it's like being yeah. a stand-up comedian. It's like being an actor. <laughs> when you, when you choose to be a play-by-play person, there is a moment where you're not mimicking someone you're on air yeah. and bringing an audience. And when did that happen and where and how? Well, you know, it, it started in the living room. Uh, my family was my first audience and you know, there were a lot of times when I would just turn down the sound and, and I would call the games that we were watching on TV. And then, you know, not only was my dad the high school coach, but he was a teacher. So in, during the other seasons, and then once I got a little older into basketball season, I was actually the PA announcer for our high school football games and then our high school basketball games. And so a, a gym full of people or a stadium full of people became my next audience. And then... Um, you know, from there, uh, you know, just the total luck of the draw that in Syracuse, uh, not only the university, but locally, uh, there was uh, there were a lot of other really good TV people. And and so I started, um, you know, for our local broadcast, you remember the day when not everything was on national television. You had a lot of local broadcasts. And so I was a runner. I was pulling cables for the sideline reporter. I was, you know, getting cups of coffee for whoever needed it and sort of got my foot in the door that way locally in television and started making some contacts and, and for, um, you know, some of the sort of Olympic sports, Hey, you know, you need somebody to call this women's volleyball game Mm or this, you know, this golf tournament over the summer, I'd love to do it, you know, just start bugging people to, to get a chance and, and, um, and kind of prove your medal. And, you know, it's fascinating as you describe, how you got on the mic, um, you know, when you're at it a while, people call and can you help my friend's kid? He wants to, you know, get in the business. <laughs> I always say, <laughs> show up as a volunteer PA. They have a sign up sheet yeah. and hustle and be on time and learn the business and figure out you, what you want to do. Because if you're nice and you're good at it and you keep coming back in the world of remote live television sports production, very specifically, our yeah. you know our lane. Be good at what you do, and also 
you know, here's what rings through with you and many others I've worked with and talked with that are very good at their job. And, and Beth, you're amazing at what you do. It's really, uh, you have, uh, you're, you're very listenable. You have a great listen. You have a great pace. You listen and help your analysts shine, <laughs> which is important <laughs> to an old analyst. Um, but in that, uh, in that way, and I've heard this from everyone you've worked with and we work with a lot of people is you're really good and easy to work with and fun to work with. That, that's I, a, hu a huge part of it, right? Yeah. 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 I, and is that what you like to bring to this? I, I think it stems from, you know, first of all, I've always felt like I had, um, I don't know if it's an advantage, but I, I always felt like I had um, sort of a built-in enthusiasm or passion for the games having played. And I think for a lot of people, a lot of newcomers, and I especially, especially for a lot of young women, you know, that, that getting comfortable being uncomfortable or, or being willing to put yourself in those situations where, you know, you're kind of the rude, you're, you're the new guy. And to be able to ask questions and to be able to put yourself out there was uh, quite honestly, not something that initially, you know, I, I was comfortable with. And I really had to, you know, I had a little shy vibe to me, believe it or not. And I had to overcome that. And, and so this whole idea of don't be afraid to put yourself in those positions and, you know, never say no for no particular reason is another line I, I like to pass along to, to people just getting in the business. I can I can tell you how many people I have actually seen that will get in their car and drive around the Midwest when you're working on a Big Ten football package and they might live in Chicago and they'll drive to Indiana and they'll drive to Illinois and they'll drive to Penn State to work on your shows. And it's still very much a people business and the, the contacts and the relationships that you make are critical to your ability to get your foot in the door and then kind of work your way up. And and I, I've always liked to say my parents raised a point guard, and that's kind of the same mentality that I try to bring to every game that I work on. Okay, I'm kind of the point guard of our show. How do I help, you know, get the most out of everybody? How do we work together to, you know, try and achieve a common goal as, again, as opposed to kind of staying in our own lane during a game and, and sort of build a team whenever we're on site? And, and I think that's something I've always tried to take pride in and, and make sure that not only the people at home know we're having a good time, but the people that we work with know we're, we're having a lot of fun and, and um, there's really no other place that we'd like to be on that particular day. One of your assignments is calling some Cubs games and mm -hmm. you bring up, you know, having some fun and because baseball announcing is its own different thing anyway yes, because of yeah. the pace of the game mm -hmm. and the amount of history and the amount of storytelling you have to you know it is not one game a week it's five games a week yeah um how do you uh, fit in with the wrigley folks and and making those games fun because it's a pretty dedicated audience i would imagine yeah uh for those games uh, i think first and foremost is is your preparation and you've just got to dive in and and get as deep a dive as you possibly can. So, you know, as you know, sometimes for different sports, there's even different game boards that you use, or there is different information that you, what I call foraging, that you collect and gather and sort of sift through. And so, 
you know, for baseball, you, obviously there are people that are watching that love batting average home runs and RBIs. And then there are other people that want to get really deep into the analytics. And then there are still other people that love the storytelling and, and a lot of the behind the scenes um, type of stuff that you get into. So it, it's first, I think, and foremost, preparing for the play-by-play part of it. So I, I need to make sure, you know, get all the names and numbers and their background and mm. when they were drafted and what their stats are. And now, you know, there is so much information on so many websites to gather. Okay, what, what do I want to pick and choose that I think are important? And a lot of that is listening and watching games before I do mine. Okay, what are, what are Boog Chambi and Jim Deshays talking about, you know, a week before I hit mm. the air? Um, what are, what are, what are the important things to Jim? You know, I may even catch a, a story or, or, a um, you know, a funny moment that the two of those guys have together and just jot it down. Okay. I know Jim loves the, um, Seinfeld references and I'm a big Seinfeld fan. So that's, that's sort of a shared experience as a play-by-play announcer that I love to try and find with the analyst and with the audience, um, you know, little things like that, I, I think, become a big deal. And, um, you know, it's, it's obviously it's a lot of reading. It's a lot of what I, I jot down a lot of notes. I don't necessarily memorize a whole right. lot, but it's comfortable to know that it's in front of you if you need it. And yeah. just kind of just kind of go from there and build build on. The nice thing about baseball is you can build on the day before you can build on the entire month, the entire season into your game. Yeah. Well, and that's you know, the good and bad of the long season, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's, you got you got to keep up with it. You know, on a daily basis, yeah, you it can be a grind. Out a little time. Hey, yeah. What happened last night? I was busy watching this other game. <laughs> yeah. And where early in your career did you get start getting some real reps where you had to, you know, maybe became the voice of or something where you got your voice and your uh, ability to do this. What was that job and, and the process like for you early in your career? So I, um, I spent the, my grad school year, I got my master's back at Syracuse in Newhouse School. And so that was a real great way to make connections with a lot of people in the business and also work locally. I, you know, I was able to go back home and work locally and, and the Channel 5, the uh, CBS affiliate, um, was uh, a guy by the name of Mike Tirico. <laughs> and the, the news director was John Eves. And so I got to work with Mike and watch, you know, a real pro do his thing. And then through John Eves, as I graduated, he left to start his own radio station. And I became the um, Jack or the Jackie of all trades. And, and uh, amongst my jobs was I got to do um, all the local high school sports. And so I was calling football, basketball. We did wrestling. We did lacrosse. We, we did it all. And for like two or three years, I got great reps on the radio. And then I was also calling a lot of women's basketball games with Syracuse University. Hmm. And of course, this happened to be around a time, Ed, when women's sports started to grow and explode on TV. Yep. And from that, um, the Yukon Huskies, were just starting to build with Gino. They saw me do Yukon Syracuse games. I started doing Yukon games. Mm. Now I'm being seen and heard in the great state of Connecticut, which is the home to our friends in Bristol. Mm. And ESPN sees me doing some Yukon games. And now uh, they want me to do some Big East games and some ESPN 
events now for a lot of the, the women's sports that are starting to grow more and more on their air. Mm. And, um, and, I, and I what think year was that? When that was you... probably, I, th I think it was around the, let's see, 1993, 1994 women's college world series is one of the first big things that I, I remember calling um, that, that uh, aired on ESPN it was mm. right around that time. That's great. And it's nice that, you know, you're helping with that brand now. It's been great to still be a part yeah. of that. It, That's it really, amazing. you know, you, you, you work a game at the world series and a freshman sits down in front of you and says, you know, I, I was watching you guys 10 years ago. Hmm. And then, you know, you get, you cover the Olympics and there's, you know, Monica Abbott saying, I still remember when you guys were calling my world series games back in 2007. So it, it's been a real uh, cool thing to see the growth of that and to see how many um, different memories and moments that you get a chance to lend your voice and your, your pictures to. And that our, our crew takes a lot of pride in that. You know, you talk about your voice and the importance of it. Um, you know, you're a former colleague. You, you know, we were social a few times. I know a lot of people who worked with you. You are also a trailblazer. You have a lot of firsts, Beth, because of what you just described and the effort you put in and the work and, and really the opportunity you saw, which I think is very inspiring uh, during that moment in time. But I, uh, as we finish up here, I've invented a game that involves okay. you. Okay. Uh, you know, the, you know, when so-and-so hit the home run, do you remember where you were? When, yes. You know, okay. That? Well, we're going to play that with you. Okay where we're going to revisit your first because you've got a lot of first first woman to call <laughs> right <laughs> uh the big one was 2017 do you remember the nfl game that you called yes for the first yes. time on a national televised nfl game it was a um it was a blocked field goal uh, by the denver broncos late to beat the um then let's see I think they had just Same. become the Los Angeles Chargers. 2017. Yeah, I think you're yes, right. Yes, yes. And uh, in the old Mile High Stadium. Yep. And so that's, that a, was... that's a massive week or two for you. Uh, the NFL is the biggest by far. There's nothing even close. No, no <laughs> doubt about that. The, the really cool part about that, Ed, was, uh, you know, as you can imagine, it was a bit of a circus uh, when we went there for Monday Night Football to start the season. And as it so happens, my last game of the year was for CBS back in Denver. Mm. And I, I remember specifically sipping my coffee the morning of the game, um, looking out of my hotel. I could see the stadium and just laughing to myself because the, there were no phone calls. There were no radio interviews. There were no TV interviews. There was nothing. It was almost as if within that six months, it became, oh, no big deal. It's just Beth back in town. She knows what she's doing. She's mm. just calling the game. That was really kind of a cool, cool moment I had with myself. And it was the opposite of that. For opposite Monday Night Football. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I had some girlfriends in my, my old high, uh, college teammates from Lafayette came in to um, kind of share that with me. And they, they've always been good at keeping me grounded. And, um, you know, my husband and his kids were, were there. Uh, you know, funny story that he's a San Diego native and a big charger fan and, and the Broncos took great care of us. And, and, um, you know, they, they were decked out in their, uh, Bronco gear, but Allen still had a moment late in the game when the chargers were making a comeback that he jumped up to celebrate a Chargers score in his Bronco shirt. And everyone around in the stands was looking at him mm -hmm. kind of funny. They had to explain themselves. <laughs> 
And from that uh, moment in time, it's nice to come back because the job you have that mm -hmm. people in that job have, it's a grind. Yeah. There's a, there's a certain level of, I, you know, it's not only do you not want to be noticed, you just want to be when people do know, say, oh yeah, they do a good job. Like that's what yeah, you're after. That, and it's amazing. It's yeah. hats off that that's what you came back to was crickets. Yeah. That, that started with a phone call in March and the preparation began for, you know, the game in, in early September. And, um, you know, you, you're, it, it all goes back to, you know, being a player, you, you hope to be your best in the big moments. And, and we were just thrilled. Every, everybody on that crew did a great job. And, yeah. And um, we, we felt really proud of that. That's awesome. And were there any moments or people, you know, you talk about social media, but, you know, in a positive way, people reaching out, any any women athletes or announcers, anything just sort of heart, heartfelt that sticks out to you during that yeah, time? Yeah, you know, there, there, was, there was a lot, um, you know, I, I've obviously, uh, you know, known, you know, women like Doris Burke and, and Holly Rowe, um, you know, forever, we kind of came up together through the ranks. And so it was great to, you know, see wonderful comments and, and feedback from them. And then, you know, some other people that have been involved in the NFL, you know, had some really, um, you know, cool things to say, uh, you know, from uh, uh, Mina Kimes to, uh, you know, Andrea Kramer and, and Leslie Visser and, and some of the, the women that are trailblazers on their own to, to be able to kind of share that moment with them. And, um, you know, I think Michelle Beadle actually did the, you know, the, uh, Derek Jeter's, uh, nephew with the, the respect hat, you know, mm. at the, at the, when he was playing in his final game there with the Yankees, I thought that was kind of cool to see. Okay. So first NFL, you called the first, uh, nationally televised NFL game. So now we're going to keep playing this little game. Okay. Sorry. Uh, yep. Invented. <laughs> uh, so you were the first woman to call a regular season Cubs game. Yes. Chicago is a unique place. Cubs is a unique team. Do you remember the game? Oh, wow. Gosh, I should know that off the top of my head, shouldn't I? <laughs> May I remember, 2021. I, I remember Anthony Rizzo made the catch for the final out behind first base. Well, that's good. I, yes. really, it, it's amazing <laughs> we remember any of this, by the way. So it was, it was Cubs Pirates. Cubs Pirates, it, that's yeah. right. It was yeah. the Buccos, yeah. Yeah, and I think it was at Wrigley. I think that was a home game. That was a home game at Wrigley. I'm not sure if we had fans in the stands for that. Mm. I don't think so. Oh, that's a bummer. Yeah. Yeah, well, okay. And then here comes full circle. Okay. And I, I, I think this one is unique because of – you grew up with a basketball coach. You are mm -hmm. were a basketball player at heart until your, what, early 20s. Yeah. Uh, and you were the first woman to call an NBA game. Yeah. You pro I bet you remember that one. The, well, the nationally televised game earlier this year, the Sixers at the Hawks. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. And how was that? Because you, you know, you said basketball's coming back to mama. That's what, oh, you that, know. yeah. How that, did that, that feel was, to be the first one? That was fabulous. And I, and I, you know, we didn't have the uh, pro teams growing up in Syracuse. So we sort of gravitated towards, you know, other um, teams in the pro sports. And I, I grew up in the area of uh, era of Dr. J with the Sixers. And mm. and one of my favorite point guards of all time is Mo Cheeks. So that was kind of cool to have the, the Sixers involved. And, um, you know, a little a little moment pregame with Trey Young. You know, they're in the layup line. And we're sitting there courtside getting ready to go on the air. And he kind of caught my eye and, and mouthed, you know, hey, congratulations, and, and waved at me. And so that was kind of cool, you know, to see the guys are – you know, sort of following along too and keeping up on that. And, 
um, just, just great to work with coach Van Gundy and, and Cassidy. We, we had a really good time. You mentioned in 2017, getting ready for an NFL game, it felt a little chaotic and overwhelming with the amount of requests and just noise around first woman. How did this one feel going into the Sixers uh, Hawks game as the first woman doing an NBA game in 2021? Well, I think over the years you develop an appreciation of the fact that, you know, I, I don't really think too much about all the outside stuff. You know, you have more responsibilities to do that sort of thing, but it's still, it's always been my day to day to just call games. And so that's kind of where I get lost in the buildup to a game. Mm-hmm. And that allows you to just kind of relax when you sit down courtside or in the booth and and so it's been kind of cool, you know, you see the reaction of uh, other women around you or young girls in, in the stands. And, and so you realize that I've come to really appreciate the impact that you can have. You know, if you see it, you can be it. And I, I do, you know, enjoy sort of that interaction as well. You know, finding young, young kids in the crowd that, you know, may have big dreams of their own one day and sort of, hey, you, you know, see somebody doing something that they grew up wanting to do their whole lives and, and being able to do it's kind of a, a, a nice sort of shared moment. Well, I've always, and I've told you personally before when we've met, I've always been a fan, uh, sort of privately wanted to work with you <laughs> when I was an analyst <laughs> for a while. I had uh, a mate I wasn't sort of happy with, and I was lobbying for you at one point <laughs> because you, you're terrific, Beth. You really do well, a great job, and, and, and I've heard nothing but great things about people that work with you, so uh, thanks for doing what you do. Thank you very much, Ed. I appreciate it. You're welcome, Beth. We covered a lot of ground. Got some good content in those 30 minutes. Our live TV bosses would be proud. Good fill. Good fill. Beth Moen serves as a play-by-play announcer for ESPN and calls just about every sport. And we heard she'll do some more NBA games coming up here shortly. She also calls Cubs games on Marquee Sports Network and will begin doing so during spring training coming up soon. May she also find some fresh powder with her family between now and NFL training camp. Thanks, Beth. Resources for this episode, as usual, Wikipedia. We've made a donation on behalf of the show and suggest you do as well. Wikipedia is there for us. A nice article I found in there by Rob Torno. A first for ESPN is Beth Moen's Call Sixers Hawks in the Philadelphia Inquirer. That was December 3rd, 2021. Thanks, Rob. Nice piece. If you like what you're hearing, please subscribe and leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts. You can follow the show on social media, Twitter at Let's Huddle With, Facebook, Let's Huddle With Ed Cunningham, and Instagram, Let's underscore Huddle underscore With underscore Ed. If you want to come right to the source, the show's webpage, go to Believe.com, B-L-E-A-V.com, and search up Let's Huddle to get to the show's homepage. Reach out, let us know what you think, any corrections, or people you'd like to hear from. Let's Huddle with Ed Cunningham is a production of True Stories Incorporated and is edited by Ryan Lindsay of Fushaw Media. The Believe Team, producers Alex Tosopoulos, Joe DeLeon, and Josh Fisher. Audio engineer Carter, Connor Haynes, and Cam Rogers help out with the marketing and my first contact at Team Believe. Ron Husenstam, the chief executive. Thanks, everyone. And thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.